Here comes the Here comes the Here comes the Y'all don't really want it like that Again, it is the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast. Today is August 7th, 2018, and we are rolling into the preseason. The Hall of Fame game has now come and gone. It was ultimately not too exciting, but there was something going on there. And Anyway, football's back in the air. I got all my, my best friends here with me. We got Jen Smith, Matt Okada, and Matthew Betts, and then also uh, a special guest of the show, the TFA godfather himself, Mr. Kevin Steele, is in the house. How are we doing today, everyone, ladies and gentlemen? Excellent. I'm doing great. I am excited to uh, to get back on the pod. I'm not going to lie. I'm a little tired. Okada, I was out on your, your West Coast uh, for a trip Ooh. with my home league. We did a 14-team dynasty draft this past weekend at one of the local rooftop bars, which was an absolute blast. So I'm very tired, but I'm accounting on all of you to bring the energy tonight for me. Mm. I'm so jealous. I haven't been able to do an in-person draft. Like, oh, man. It was literally. amazing. 14 of us, we had our draft board up. We did it, obviously, in person. It was it was a blast. That's really cool. Well, speaking of energy, I think we brought on one of the most energy-driven people I've ever met, Kevin. Kevin is uh, a former host of the Fantasy Authority podcast, which was kind of the precursor to this podcast. And then he's also still hosting the DFS Degen Nation podcast through the fantasyauthority.com as well. Kevin, how are things going for you over there? Are you ready for football or what? F oh, no, I can't say that. Sorry. I was already been warm. No, I can't I can't say that. <laughs> yes, I yes I am. Yes, I am. Let's uh let's get this thing going, right? I mean, I have only done one podcast since April, so I've been saving all this energy up, and uh, I'm ready to release it. Oh, boy, that's dangerous. Yeah, I did not know that you hadn't done one in so long, yet we're in for a treat. <laughs> He's going to be that's, on another that, level of energy. That's exactly what happened with Ben Cummins last episode, and he mm-hmm. just kept rolling. We had to mm-hmm. cut him off every once in a while, like, dude, we got to keep going with these next guys. But no, it was a good time, and I'm sure it's going to be equally as awesome with you. So thanks for joining us here today. We'll have some fun with it. Uh, we are going to be talking about some Plant your flag, candidates, people that we are all in on this year. Uh, We'll kind of go over a little bit of details about that later. But first things first, we're going to go back to reading a review. So I'm going to hand it over to Mr. Matt Okada. Please read today's review. All righty. So this one is from Happy Member 55. The five-star review titled Great Work Red Shirts! Exclamation Point says... I've listened to them all, and I just have to say, it's great to get an intelligent perspective from time to time. Parentheses. Maybe I think this because I think very similarly to Matt. Exclamation point. Close parentheses. Now, he doesn't clarify which Matt that is. Probably it's Betts, but... And then he says, (laughs) certainly... (laughs) Certainly a new add to the daily workflow. Just need more episodes. Keep up the good work. Great work. The end. Yeah, I, Jen, I think we're being discriminated against. I, I don't. Do how do you feel about this? Yeah, I do the Matt's I mean, get all the support. Right. It's like you just throw a Matt name out there, and it could be either one, and I'm feeling left out. Feeling I mean, he's 50% of the crew with just one word, so it's kind <laughs> I, of a. I feel efficient. like 
It's more efficient. I feel like he's way. probably a Patriots fan, and all Patriots <laughs> fans join up with each other and do weird stuff. So that seems to be the most likely <laughs> option there. But it's always the Patriots, always, right? Yeah. It's All right, well, let's jump into some news. I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. All right, first things first we got going on here. Uh, I think one of the larger stories we had was Corey Coleman got traded to the Buffalo Bills for a 2027th round pick. And now that that's not very much for a guy who was a former first round draft pick. So it's kind of depressing on the aspect of, you know, what he, how he values himself, how we will value him. That's not very much for a peanut butter sandwich. The bills don't exactly have a ton of receiving options. So is there anything there for him? I don't even know. I'm not going to lie as a, as an NFL move, this is actually a good move by the bills. I mean, to get a guy with first round pedigree for literally nothing in a seventh round pick two years from from now um is a good move so maybe coleman has something left in the tank we know his career has been derailed by two broken uh hand injuries so that's not something that's likely to happen again so i i view that as kind of fluky um i'm not a huge coleman fan from a talent perspective but maybe the Bills see something and they're just willing to throw a, a cheap offer out there to get him and it sounds like uh they're going to use him i mean from he, the Bills he, perspective they won they won Absolutely. that trade. Absolutely. Oh, easily, yeah. yeah. I mean, like like Beth said, this guy was drafted in the first round. Now it was by the Browns, so you could argue it's probably not a good choice. But clearly he has some pedigree, some talent, and he has shown a couple flashes uh, when healthy. And this is, I mean, it's interesting because I think everyone views him, and it almost seems like the Browns view him as an injury-prone guy because he's had two of the same injuries that have kind of messed up his early career. But I think, like Beth says, they're sort of fluky. So if he gets healthy and he's... Is there really much sure, I guess, confidence that anyone on that team is a better receiver than him, even with the limited sample we have of Coleman? No. Uh, no? <laughs> exactly. So there's a chance <laughs> he's suddenly the number one receiver on a team. Now, it's an awful team, and we weren't really drafted the number one receiver on that team as it was, but as a late-round flyer, it's interesting. Yeah, I I think the most important thing here is kind of the it the wake that it was leaving. And now this this leads to another interesting story. So I'll, I'll give you this rundown real quick. Uh, pretty much the day after this happened, Antonio Callaway was seen running with the first the first team in offensive drills in camp for the Browns, and he was you know a fourth round guy with red flags in his draft history or as a prospect. So he. Just today, the story came out that he was cited for possession of marijuana in his car, and he was also driving with a suspended license, and this all went down at 3 a.m., and like my father wisely once told me, said nothing after 2 a.m. is ever good. So (laughs) just go go home, go to bed, sleep off whatever bad news you're about to get into. So yeah, Antonio Callaway is just like, He's got red flags all over him and he's he's obviously not learning. He's now he's tried to play it off by saying like he had his car shipped in and other people were using it and so it's not his marijuana. But is anyone buying it with this dude's background? Nope. I'm not. Well, yeah. didn't he also fail a drug test at the NFL uh combine? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean that that's two in a row right there. I mean that's obviously not fluky. Which is why he ended up dropping to where he did in the draft. His talent was kind of well above that fourth round mark but 
you you show up to the NFL combine where you know you're going to get tested and your NFL career is dependent on it and you fail a drug test. That's pretty dumb, to put it nicely. Well, I, I mean, they just need Gordon to show back up. That's that's just all it is at this point. Who you know, a guy who's actually trying to go out and get help for his own issues that he knows he has, and will face them and won't blame it on other friends using his car. Uh, at least this time around, they need Gordon back. Plain and simple. If anything, all this all this news is doing for me is making me like Landry more. To be honest, you know, uh, they traded away Corey Coleman. Obviously, other issues are going on, and uh, you know, Callaway's now having those issues who knows what will happen with that um so for me landry's the one there the one that's getting chemistry with the quarterbacks the one that's getting the reps so i'm bumping him up my rankings he's just becoming it's not that the others are becoming less so in the way of gordon you know i'm a little bit skeptical there but landry's just bumping up up and up and up the more i hear about him and the more i hear about these news at a camp so that's how this impacting you know how i view fantasy and all of that so that's yeah, I, I think it was J.J. Zacharyson on Twitter was like, well, now I have to project Landry for 265 targets, and somehow I'm going to explain that. But uh, no, I, I, I agree with you there. But I mean, let's Tyra, let's move. Oh, yeah, go ahead. No, but I mean, all I'm going to say, I mean, Tyrod Taylor has never – I mean, look at Robert Woods, right? Robert Woods, while he was in Buffalo, was their slot receiver um, for most of the time and never really did anything – of consequence. I just don't know if Tyrod Taylor is the type. I mean, if you look at the type of wide receiver that did the best with Tyrod Taylor was Sammy Watkins. And I think what he does best is throw the ball deep. And that's not Jarvis Landry's game. I know a lot of people want to believe in Jarvis Landry in this offense. I don't see it maybe with Baker Mayfield down the line, but with Tyrod Taylor as the quarterback, I don't think Jarvis Landry is going to be as utilized as people think. And I have no concerns whatsoever that Josh Gordon is going to be back by week one. I think uh, everybody's kind of come to the conclusion that's because of hard knocks. And once he's back, he's going to be the number one target in the offense. And I don't think there's any reason to not believe that. And so I feel like with what Tyrod Taylor does for as long as he is the starter, I think that he is the best suited to receive the most targets and be the biggest impact in that offense. And so while everybody's all over Jarvis Landry, because he's the guy that's there at camp, I don't think it's that big of a deal that we're making it into that Josh, that Josh Gordon's not there. Josh Gordon is in tremendous shape. I mean, if you've watched the videos, even to this day, he's still working out, he's still training and, I just don't think it's that big of a deal, and everybody kind of blows it out of proportion with Josh Gordon. And I still think Josh Gordon has wide receiver one ceiling. Like I, when I say wide receiver one, I mean the number one wide receiver overall in fantasy football. Um, we heard Casey Hayward last year, and Josh Gordon's first game back, he said that he was the toughest cover he had all year. Casey Hayward's an elite level corner. So Josh Gordon still has it. So I think while I'm enjoying seeing Josh Gordon fall down in ADP because now you can get him at an even better discount than what you could other players, I I love Josh Gordon, and I would take him all day, seven and twice on Sunday over Jarvis Landry, whether PPR standard. Well, I tell you what, we'll talk, there. <laughs> well, I, was, I was just going to say, we'll, we'll talk about Gordon in a little bit, so I might want to just pocket this because we got to have some conversation about him a little later. So that's kind of a teaser there for you, but... Uh, let's move on to a little bit of injury news. Is there a doctor? We need a doctor. All right. Well, this is the most recent thing on Sony Michelle. He had a knee, you know, it, it was like kind of an injury, but really he needed fluid drained from his knee. And, and was there actually a, an impact? 
kind of injury with this bets or, or what are you tracking on this? To be honest, there isn't much out there in terms of details, which is pretty common for the Patriots with their players and their injuries. They're not a team that um, is openly honest about kind of what's going on. Not that they're trying to be dishonest. They just don't come out and, and publicly say a lot. So um, Mike Reese of the of the uh, of, of ESPN, excuse me, of the Patriots uh, reporter there, he is the one that tweeted out and broke the news that he was going to have a procedure done on his knee. Um, not clear exactly what that procedure was, but again, the idea was to drain fluid from the knee. And there's a lot of injuries and a lot of things that can cause fluid buildup in the knee or, or swelling. Um, so I'm not going to speculate as to what that is, but given that it was just a 10 day or so a week and a half recovery timeline period, it's not expected to be too serious. We've seen some mixed reports though. Some reporters out there are saying that it could cost him most of preseason. So again, there's not a lot of details. I'm not going to be one to speculate, but it does give me some concern just because we know that Sonny Michelle does have a history of some knee injuries dating back to college. Um, and he's got an ACL tear in his history when he was in high school. So uh, it's, it's definitely cause for concern. And this is something that I should, I should definitely kind of, you know, warn our listeners that, Hey, this isn't just a fluke. Like this is a legit thing that we should watch throughout the preseason. Can you hear that? It's Rexy. Off in the distance. Sexy Rexy. He's coming. Sexy mm-hmm. Rexy. Uh, his ADP's Rex. already... Oh, yeah. His ADP's already spiking. But... Um, what? Yeah. <laughs> we, uh, we actually have some more injury news. Well, kind of a little bit. This is another kind of mysterious thing. Ke- Kenneth Dixon returned to the practice field. However, he did leave his first practice back an hour early with trainers. Now... We weren't really sure if there was re-aggravation or if it was, you know, an extra stretching period to kind of be precautionary about not continuing to exacerbate his injuries. But uh, he had a hamstring injury. Seems to be not too serious. Uh, I'm holding out hope for him. I think he could be the receiving back for the Ravens this year. Um, So we'll keep an eye on him for a little bit here. Yeah, for sure. And I think I think a good barometer of what that means in terms of him leaving with trainers is if he's back out there tomorrow it's absolutely zero concern if he's not out there tomorrow that's something to monitor for sure so people are going to want to monitor those practice reports coming out of baltimore can i ask you guys a quick question and we don't have to spend Mm -hmm. too much time on it but obviously people were talking about um kenneth dixon for you know years he just can't seem to get it together right and and they they really want to give him a chance there but obviously this year because of last year, Alex Hollins is going to get the shot to be the lead back there. But we were going into the season with some, at least me, concerns, even though I love Alex Collins, of, you know, the more we talked about him, Kenneth Dixon is just right there on the periphery. Obviously, Baltimore has given him multiple opportunities. Is this the year? Can he stay healthy? I mean, are, are your hopes kind of being dashed, I guess, as far as that goes? Are you be, being more confident in Alex Collins hearing these just, you know, these issues already in training camp. How is it impacting well, you all? Because I love Alex Collins. So for me, I'm like, Oh, boom, I, I'm either solidified where I am or, you know, do I move him up? Do I not now that, you know, Dixon isn't a, is becoming less of an issue. I'm just wondering where you guys are with that because I think I love Collins a little too much. So I don't know if I can be objective about it. Yeah, no, I, I love Collins too. And I just think there's room for two in this backfield. And I don't right. think Buck Buck is going to be one of those two, but uh, you know, they still have Kenneth Dixon for two more years on his rookie contract. He's only 24 years old. His The things that he's had going on between suspension and injury have been not really related. It's just kind of like one thing after another. And they're finally coming to a conclusion. So I think this is the make or break year. 
you know, <laughs> if he doesn't do something this year, then they're going to not use him next year and just let him walk off the contract or cut him or something. So it's, you know, he's definitely not worth drafting high. It's, it's by all means a flyer. Uh, but I, I think he's good enough to beat Buck Allen. I think he had the uh, talent coming into the NFL, and I think it's still there regardless of what's happened so far. So that's yeah. where I'm at. And I think <laughs> Kenneth Dixon's existence or the uh, lack of confidence in Collins maybe owning that role completely is built into his ADP to where if he if there wasn't any of that and he, we expected like a um, maybe not the top four guys, but a four net type of workload for Collins, I think he'd be pretty close to the second round if not in the second round um so i i think it's totally fine grabbing him where he is i think it's even a little bit of a value i'm more on your side jen okay all right i was just you know getting a temperature thanks guys yeah it's and the temperature is likely to change as as the preseason goes on (laughs) i I would i would imagine (laughs) honestly so yeah let's let's move on to this next piece of news this one is uh it's coach speak 101 and not only is it coach speak it's pete carroll so basically <laughs> it's it means nothing no but we'll talk about it <laughs> he, uh, pete carroll expects doug baldwin to be back and playing by week one and he you know had a a multi-week knee injury that's kind of kept him off the field and i, I don't know bets is, is yeah. this feasible or is it, is it pete carroll just being himself I mean, Pete Carroll is Pete Carroll, and he will say whatever he needs to to make his players seem as good as they are and as uh, healthy as they are, even if it's not the case. So inevitably, that means Baldwin's probably going to be out for the season. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> don't, don't do that we, to me, Bets. We don't really know the actual <laughs> timeline. Don't dare do that to me. We don't really know the actual timeline. I mean, all we know is it's his left knee. We have no idea in regards to what the injury is, how severe it is. Um, all we know is that it's likely going to cost him most of, if not all of, uh, the preseason. So, um, it's, it's definitely not something that I'm reading into. I'm not banking on that and I'm not drafting Baldwin if I'm drafting today as if he's going to be back for week one. So definitely just a situation that we're going to have to monitor, uh, throughout the, the preseason and the weeks to come. You know what I think this plays into a little bit is the notorious Russ and Baldwin both start the season slow and then light it up in the last eight weeks. Uh, I could 100% see that happening again. Like they'll like combine for 10 touchdowns in six weeks or something dumb at the end of the year and win you your playoff series. So, I you know if they start slow, I I'd, I'd start looking at trading for them if you can get them on the cheap. Oh, absolutely! You know, uh, that was a phenomenal strategy uh, just last year and the year before. I, I mean, think I think both. Yeah, but last two years it worked pretty well. Oh, absolutely. Now, here's a question. If we find out that Baldwin is going to miss significant time, how much, if at all, does that affect Russell Wilson in fantasy? Because that leaves him with Tyler Lockett and... It's scraps. It's just scraps after that. Does Brian? Even... Maybe. Maybe, honestly. They would resort to that, I think. They've already (laughs) talked about it. I think that's something to monitor. This is kind of like the Luck-Hilton situation, where if you believe in Luck, you really have to believe in Hilton. If Baldwin ends up missing significant time, you might actually have to look at how you're valuing Russell Wilson because he's going to be running around like a maniac without some safety valve anymore. I agree. I mean, I would definitely have to drop him down in my ranks. I think he provides a safe enough floor because of his rushing um, that he'll still be in the top 10 for me but I'm not going to be having him at the, in the top five like I do right now if if Baldwin's not there. This will be the first season since 2012. If Baldwin misses the game, that'll be the first time since then. Wow. 
And he only missed two games in his entire career. And it was that year he missed two games. Yeah, he's been incredibly healthy throughout his career. And I mean, most of the time, if he is banged up, he plays through it, obviously. I mean, you just mentioned he hasn't missed a game since 2012. So if this was the regular season, I'm not sure he'd be sitting out. Um, But it's the preseason. And we all know that for vets, that's not necessarily a huge deal. Right. Yeah. Just enough to make you nervous, right? Just enough to make you nervous. (laughs) Yeah. And, uh, you know, speaking of another player who's not going to be playing in the preseason, uh, it was announced by the Eagles that Carson Wentz will not be playing even a single snap in preseason. And, you know, I get it. I mean, why would you? You have Foles and other backups. I don't even know who's behind Foles, but it doesn't matter. They're they're probably, you know what they're doing is showcasing Foles to try and trade him. I bet you that's what they're doing. Yeah, I mean, honestly, that could be part of it. I think that the real reason is because of that injury <laughs> in the knee. Uh, so we know Wentz is coming off the ACL and the LCL. If he was going to be back this early, it would be very shocking. So this was kind of always the plan for the Eagles. They were going to slow play it. They weren't going to play him at least in the first two preseason games. Um, so I'm not concerned. He still has a chance to be ready for week one. If he's not full go by the last week of the preseason, then obviously it's cause for concern for his availability. But this is always the plan. And so for that reason, I'm not concerned at all. Yeah, makes sense. I think that's all there is to it is they're just taking it easy on him. So let's talk about a little bit of camp hype news that we didn't really have last time around. This one's kind of intriguing. Uh, The Buccaneers plan to uh, start Chris Godwin opposite of Mike Evans for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this year. So that means what I heard was that they're moving Vincent Jackson to the slot. Vincent Jackson. Jackson. Vincent Jackson. Coming back. Dude, I wish it was Vincent Jackson. I love Vincent. Oh, that was a Freudian (laughs) slip, wasn't it? Yeah. No, the other Jackson that plays for them now. So, yeah. Love Um, it. So they move him to the slot, and Chris Godwin's going to be opposite Evans. So that's kind of – that's in, that's intriguing. I like that. I think that's intriguing for both those guys. I was kind of looking at Deshaun Jackson as a late round flyer, especially in best ball. And if they put him into the slot, typically we've kind of talked about this a little bit before. I think slot value or value of targets in the slot is a little bit better, especially for guys like this who are burners. They can get off the line a little bit differently and get downfield. So I'd be I'd be a little bit interested in, in Jackson playing in that situation. And then Godwin has been doing, from everything I've seen, very well uh, in camp. And he was a, a highly, highly touted rookie. Uh, so I remember Matt Harmon talking about him as one of his favorites. So if he's getting the, the starting spot across from Evans in an offense that I expect to throw a lot, that's a pretty interesting flyer too. Kev, I forget. Do you, are you a fan of Chris Godwin? How do you how do you feel about him moving to the outside and starting? Oh, you, uh, I think you meant Chris Goatwin or Godwin. Or the, you know, <laughs> oh, okay. Yes, love this move, Chris Godwin. Uh, I was very high on coming out, and I mean it was only a matter of time that he was going to supplant Deshaun Jackson, anyways, in this offense. But the problem is, is there's just so many. You know, the whole saying there's too many mouths to feed in this offense with Mike Evans and O.J. Howard, and Cameron Brait, you know. So, I mean, there's just so many. But I, I will say this, that the, that I love the fact that Jameis Winston probably will go undrafted by most people because of his three-game suspension that he has to serve. 
I love me some Jameis Winston this year. I wouldn't mind taking him and stashing him. I I, I think he can easily be a QB one um, the rest of the way out after he's after the suspension's up. And um, love the love the weapons here in this. I mean, because I think you're able to get just about every um, Tampa Bay Buck, you know, at a little bit of a discount. Even Mike Evans is a little discounted this year for what you were able to get him in, in years past, especially going into last year. So I really like this. Uh, let's move for Chris Godwin. Uh, I think this kind of moved Deshaun Jackson down a little bit. He wasn't able to stay healthy this year, kind of getting long in the tooth, so to speak. So I really like this. Hopefully in limited time last year, Chris Godwin had some real flash games, and I think this could be one that um, I think moving forward could be a big deal and has an opportunity, could be a, a flex option. Yeah, 100% agree. I, you know, he the talent's there. He's starting to get the opportunity, and we all know that that combo – is solid. So with that being said, we're going to go ahead and kind of move forward. But before we get to our main, uh, you know, real chunk of the show here, I got to let you know, if you're listening, you probably already know we are announcing the winners of the listener league at the end of this episode. So stay tuned, listen to our plant your flag candidates. And uh, hopefully you guys can get in on that. Once we release the names, we'll be having some more details come out probably on Twitter and we will contact all of the winners. So just keep listening. You'll hear that at the end of the show. And uh, yeah, we'll go over that more. Let's move on to our plant your flag candidates. This land is mine. Mine by destiny. For the record, this one is not one of my favorite movies because it has Tom Cruise in it. This is actually a recommendation from Okada. So I do not take credit for this soundbite, but I thought it was too funny to not put in. So we're going to we're going to stand our ground and uh, plant our flag on a couple of our favorite players this year who we are taking every single draft if, if it was possible. I mean, sometimes you're just not in the right draft position for it. That's all right. But, you know, maybe you're going to reach a half a round, a, a whole round to get these guys. So we're going to kick it over to Kevin right away. He's our guest. Uh, we want to hear about a guy you love this year, and you you have to get him every single draft if you can. Well, first of all, I haven't really had a chance to say this yet, but uh, I've been listening to this show on a weekly basis, and uh, you guys do incredible work, and I love what you guys are producing. But there is one piece that uh, I keep hearing from all of you that really just rile me up in my car, and I want to throw my phone, and I want to just mm-hmm. jump on the podcast, and that is the absolute disrespect from your wide receiver four overall last year, and that is Tyreek Hill. I don't know what is going on. I don't. It's like it's like I'm living in Twilight Zone, or maybe it's Groundhog's Day because we heard all of this last year, all of it last year. Tyreek Hill, he he can't produce the efficiency he did last year. He's not going to be able to do it. Oh, well, he's not going to be running the ball now, so now he's not going to be as good. He, there's no way. Everyone's overdrafting him. Don't draft that guy. And then he finishes wide receiver four. Didn't did he win you most weeks, though? Did he? Did he win you your head-to-heads? But see, if you kind of go coach? back, if you if you look, he already year, ended strong. Here's the funny part: eight here's weeks, a, though. Here, here's the funny part Frank? about Tyree Kill is okay. that we talk about Tyree Kill and how boomer bust he was, but the Chiefs were very boomer bust last year. If we don't forget. Let's go back because we have to add context to a lot of things because people tend to forget that, that that factoring in that is that the Chiefs were super white hot to start the year, right? Super Bowl all the way. Best team in the league. Everybody was crowning them. And then what happened? Okada, do you the remember, bottom fell do you remember out. week one? 
Oh, yeah. Yes, yeah. I remember, remember that? clearly week one, yes. And uh, <laughs> all these things happened, right? And then all of a sudden the Chiefs started falling, and they stopped. They got away from the things that they were, they were doing that, that, were, they, that served them best in the first half of the season. They caught fire again down the stretch. A lot of it has to do with that. Plus, Alex Smith, we keep talking about Alex Smith now all of a sudden, like he's Aaron Rodgers, and I don't get it. Like, Alex Smith is always going to be who he is and just a mediocre quarterback. Yes, he had an outlier season last year, but all I keep hearing is, oh, well, how great he was at the deep ball and all this stuff. No, he wasn't. Like, he is who he is. He is not a good deep ball passer. I've watched this man every game for five years, and he either, one, is way too afraid to pull the trigger, so often you'll see guys wide open down the field. Or what happens more often than not, guys have to stop their routes and come back to the football to, and make a play at the ball to be able to, to be able to do something with it. So now we got Tyree Kill this year. I mean, you get him in the th- late third round. If you look at the wide receivers that are going around him, it's not like world-class names that you're like, oh, man, I'm really passing up on this guy so I can't get Tyree Kill. And everybody keeps talking about Sammy Watkins. Oh, Sammy Watkins. Which Before last year, everybody hated Sammy Watkins. Everybody hated him. Now all of a sudden, everyone's like, no, well, I didn't. well, now all of a sudden, Sammy Watkins here. Well, Sammy Watkins, you know what Sammy Watkins does best? He's not a nuanced route runner. All he does is run go routes. That's not Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill can run every single route in the route tree. Everyone likes to think of him as just a deep threat, but that's not who he is. Even his average as a dot last year was not some was not at the top of the class last year. He is a he is a nuanced route runner who can line up against number one corners, which was everybody said that he wasn't going to be able to do last year. Did it every year? We keep trying to come up with new things what Tyreek Hill can't do, and he just shoves it in everybody's face and says, "Ah, okay, here I am." And now he gets to play with Patrick Mahomes, which we can throw all the interception stuff out the window that everybody keeps trying to talk about because it's preseason. I don't care what anybody does in the preseason, whether it's great or, or low. I don't really care. It's the preseason. They're running in shorts. It doesn't matter to me. Zero is to do with my take. Yeah. So, Mahomes but when you look, but when you look at it, Patrick Mahomes one has a far superior arm than what Alex Smith does. There's not going to be none of this. Oh, let me stop. Come back to the football. Make a play at it. He's going to be able to keep going down the field. But regardless, my point with Tyreek Hill is simple, is that he is far more than what people like to make him think he is, and that's just he's a deep threat. He's just a deep threat, right? That's not true. It's just not accurate. It's inaccurate, and it's false. And it's just propaganda, to be honest, that a lot of people up high like to say, and then it kind of trickles down effect. And this isn't like on your podcast. I don't want to make it like that's what you guys were saying. This is what I hear all over Twitter about Tyreek Hill. I heard somebody, I'm not going to put his name out there, say, well, John Ross is really fast, and we don't draft him really high. So why would we draft Tyreek Hill really high? That is the dumbest take I've ever heard. I'm sorry. It just is awful. Yeah. You cannot make that take. Okay. okay. <laughs> I'm just saying. Yes. Right? You, yes. can't, you can't make that comparison. No, so, I think I, I agree with you. I mean, Tyreek Hill is very talented. I think the thing that some of us are concerned about and a lot of people out there are concerned about, including Jen, and you'll probably speak to this, is just the up and down weeks that come. Um, and so for that reason – is he someone that you're comfortable with as your wide receiver one, or do you like him more as a two, as that kind of boom guy in your in your lineup? I, I, would, I, I would be Lovely. perfectly fine, perfectly fine as a wide receiver. Oh, I, I love him in best ball. I mean, that's that's so easy to say. Oh, he's the Terry definition of good best in best ball. ball. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But 100%. Kevin, I mean, you you said he's going around crap. That's just untrue because my issue with Tyreek is a consistency because where you're taking him, you're like, oh, well, well who are you going to take him? Well, he's going around Hilton. Evans, Stefan Diggs, Doug Baldwin, Adam Thielen, Amari Cooper, who you're going to talk about later, Brandon Cooks. He's going around players that are more consistent, have upside, have less 
questions in their offense with a rookie quarterback coming in. So he is right in ADP against people that, yeah, I would take hands down over him right now. Done. Not question it. High draft capital. I want consistency. I want a higher floor with a good ceiling if I'm going to invest that life level of capital. And that is my the only, issue with Tyreek The only player is going Not his talent, him. not his upside. His low, low, low floor. Plus Watkins. What, flo- what, what is his floor you're basing it off of? He's never had a low floor. What, what, his past two years have been elite. Like what? What, what floor oh, are we talking Kevin, about? You're not looking at the week to week fantasy. Then I wish I had it pulled up right now. But I mean, I can just say he's been plus. But but do you 50. do you hold that against Julio Jones? Do you hold Julio Jones is also a very boomer bust player. He's always been his entire career. Do you hold that against Julio Jones? How low? Yeah, is a lot of people. Julio a lot of people Jones do scored in a week to week basis. But Julio Jones is very boomer bust. He has a lot of Julio very Jones also been in this league. Julio Jones has been in this league for years, so we have a basis for our consistency versus but, not. But you we have, but you, what, what's his floor? What is Tyreek? But what is Tyreek Hill's floor? What is his floor? I, I will think look up is, his ridiculous I'm, low floor on a week last year. If you want me to to blast it, I Jen, will. I've got I've got to pull up right now. Here's his finish. Do it. Week. So go ahead, tell him his floor. Third, this is wide receiver finish for the week. Third, 47, 17, 59, 32, 52. Three, fifty-eight, fifteen, Ooh. and those are for the course of uh, the first several weeks of the season. There, correct. And and here's my issue. So let me ask you this: I have two main questions. One, Kev, do you believe that Tyree Kill is possibly the best big play receiver in the NFL? And when I say that, I don't mean deep ball receiver because I think that your point is correct—that he's not a nine route guy who just runs down the field and catches the ball forty yards downfield. But what he is is a guy who catches the ball in a screen or a short intermediate round and takes it to the house on his own. But is he the best in the league? Maybe not even just now, but in recent years, if not for a long time at doing that, because if he's not, then we have to expect some regression from what we saw last year when he scored eight touchdowns, no seven touchdowns and none of them from within 30. That's that's, we've got to see some, some regression from that. I feel like. And then my other question is this, is Sammy Watkins a better receiver than Albert Wilson? Because Albert Wilson was the second most targeted receiver in Kansas City last year. Kelsey was first most targeted player. And Kareem Hunt was the third most targeted player. And Hunt and Wilson had 63 and 62 targets. I don't see there, I don't see any world in which Sammy Watkins is that bad. Which means I feel like Hill is going to lose some of his work to Watkins. I, I, don't, I don't think it's as significant, though. As, and here are some other things, I guess, as well, is that people aren't talking about is, one, the Kansas City Chiefs defense is likely not going to be very good. Two. Very true. <clears throat> two, and one of the biggest factors here, is that the Chiefs last year, I think, ranked 18th in pass attempts in the league. Like, very average. I think there's a very, very good shot we talk about at the end of the year that they're, that they're in the top five in pass attempts in the league. The Chiefs have went out and made it known what they want to do. They don't have a great offensive line. It's very average. One injury, and that offensive line is wrecked and because they don't have the depth. And so and I, I, I don't think you're going to see the volume that we saw from Kareem Hunt. I do think because of the defense, they're going to have to throw the ball more. And the thing that matters the most is that is because Patrick Mahomes is a gunslinger, is that he's not going to be afraid to ever throw, throw it to Tyreek Hill and dump it off to, to 
to a, a running back or an Albert Wilson streaking across the middle that, that you would have saw last year with Alex Smith, who was so risk-avert. And so I do think that Tyreek Hill is likely going to be number two in that team in targets. Very, very likely. And could see an increase in targets from what he saw last year. And so, yes, while I understand that he has been boomer bust in his career, so are other players that we just don't want to talk about. Because, like I said, Julio Jones, same way, same exact way, maybe not on the most extreme level, but we're also judging a player that's only been in the league for two seasons, two years, and has gotten better each year. And it's like because maybe he's smaller in stature that we can't understand or believe that that he can continue to progress as a wide receiver. I've went to training camp. I've followed training camp. What I have seen is that they target him heavily in the red zone. When, when, I, when, I, when I was there on, on, on Sunday this past week, when they were running their red zone offense, he was targeted more than anybody. And you know what didn't happen? He never dropped the ball. He, he beat Kendall Fuller. He beat Steven Nelson. He is far more of a wide receiver than people give him credit for. And I honestly believe that he is a top 12 wide receiver talent. Yeah. yeah. Overall. Let's, I would I, agree on so. that. Top well, we, 12 we top, receiver talent. But that's I, I'm sorry. We, we got we to gotta tie the bow on this a little bit. But right. I think I have one last question for Kevin. And, and it's, it's a pretty straightforward question. I want you to pick one or the other. You can't have both. Will you take Tyree Kill at 311 or will you take Sammy Watkins at 608? Tyreek Hill. Okay. Well, I mean, that's, I mean, that shows that you're planting your flag. So that by all means, more power to you. Let's go on to our second player uh, who we're going to talk about today. Let's move on over to Jen. I want to hear who you're all about this year, and hopefully you can bring the fire <laughs> that Kevin was bringing for Tyree Kill. It's, I don't it's, know. A, it's a high yeah. standard, but I, I believe in you. I don't know if anyone can bring the fire like Kevin is, but but I mean, he, maybe he can bring the fire to are you against me or jump on board with me. But my planning the fa- flag is Dion Lewis. Yes, I realize Derrick Henry is there. I think people have been waiting um, for Derrick Henry to get this chance and to be this bell cow on the Tennessee offense. And I think he will get that opportunity, but it doesn't mean – that Dion Lewis now being paid big bucks and brought in for a specific reason isn't going to capitalize on the touches that he's going to get. He showed last year in New England that he doesn't need a crazy amount of touches and targets to be able to finish in the number 15 half and PPR ranked running back fantasy last season. He got 186 yards, six touchdowns on just 180 carries, so not a bell cow of any backfield. He's not um, he's not somebody that isn't used to sharing, <laughs> that isn't used to having people. I mean, he had three others. He had Rex last year. He had James White. He had Gillisley there. Um, and so he was always vying and is used to that kind of backfield co- competition. I really like this kind of one-two punch, but I really do think that Deion Lewis has the highest ceiling this year. He got paid. He has the highest catch percentage out of anybody in the NFL, 91.4. I know he's a running back. But he also was number one running back in 2017 in yards after contact. And that's why Tennessee got him. They got him for a specific reason. They have LaFleur there now. It's a new coaching system. Mariota's going to get Lewis the ball. They're going to get it. They're going to use him similar to Gurley. And he is going, his upside is just, to me, just really, really high. I, I just, 
I think if he can stay healthy and that is the number one thing, I really feel like that's the only thing people can come back at me with is his health. Can he stay healthy? Last season was his only full season with 16 games. I get it. I hear it. I understand. But he showed us what he can do if he can stay healthy. And if he's in this timeshare, I know people will be like, are you really saying this? But seriously, like him sharing the carries with Derrick Henry, I think is actually ideal for him. I hope that he gets more opportunity and that he's successful and that if he gets more of that, he's able to use that and and end up for me higher than than Henry's going to be able to do in fantasy for people. But for me, it's going to take a little bit of that pressure off and it's going to be able to distribute the balance as far as, as that goes. And I can keep him healthy this year. So for me, I just love him. I have him at my half PPR and full PPR ranked number 19 running back. And I just, I'm really excited for this offense in general. I've talked about it in other ways, but I think Tennessee is a huge bounce back. I'm not going to go into it, but this offense, I'm really excited to see what they can do. I really hope that under this new offensive scheme and offensive coordinator, I really, I'm just looking forward to it. And, and Dion is, is just a kind of lightning rod. I think for that. I am going to be so happy if they stop smashing their running backs into eight men in the box every single time. (laughs) It was excruciating to watch, and it never worked. And I think that kind of played into one reason why Derrick Henry never got going and why DeMarco was so valuable is because he was actually able to catch the ball a little bit better. So I think bringing in a younger, more progressive coaching staff, it, it plays in at Lewis's favor a little bit. If Derrick Henry had been in the league five, 10 years ago, he'd be an all-star, like all pro every single season, but the game has changed and you got to be able to pass the ball a little bit better. And I don't know if he is quite nimble enough to be able to catch and run like Deion Lewis can. So I, I like it. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty on board with Deion Lewis on the whole. I do have one kind of concern or question. And so I'd be interested to get your thoughts, Jen. Mm-hmm. I feel like, I feel like it's probably true that the Patriots system, the Patriots <laughs> offense, makes almost everybody who plays there look a little better than they actually are. Uh, we, I mean, you, LeGarrette Blunt goes there. Kent talked about this a couple episodes ago. Has 18 sure. touchdowns. He's never been that guy any other season. Do mm-hmm. you think there's a chance that? And the Titans' offensive line is very good, so that's not too much of a concern. But just the offense as a whole, the system as a whole. That he goes there and maybe it's Tom Brady's not there to keep people honest. Mar- Mariota's not quite on his level. Whatever it is about the Patriots system that does that, is there a chance he's not actually as good as he looked on that team? Well, sure, there's a chance. <laughs> there's a chance, but all the factors that you just mentioned are what keeps me feeling confident in that his floor and where he has, like, exactly, the offensive line is still decent. I think Mariota is healthy and I think under this new, I think on the floor, I mean, these QB, these QBs are gold under him. I really think, and they get the ball to the running back um, via the passing game. So I, I really think the opportunity is going to be there. Do I think that the Patriots gave uh, Lewis an opportunity on a solid, you know, offensive team to show off what he has? Yeah, I think that's what got him this deal. But I don't think they gave him the talent. I don't think they, I think they just showcased it, at least in this case for me. And so, I mean, somebody that now clearly they're showing confidence in over in Tennessee. I mean, Travis May, hey, shout out. He's been at the Tennessee um, training camp. And let me know the snap count is Lewis 110 and Henry 95. So clearly this is going to be maybe a backfield that's more evenly split. 
perhaps than people realize. Or even if Derrick Henry gets a little bit more in between the tackles, it doesn't mean that Lewis isn't going to get the touches he needs to end where I think he's going to end in fantasy running and, you know, and as a running back and I am drafting him everywhere. So uh, yeah. I'm on the train with you. I have him I, in most leagues that I can get him in. I'm I snagging. Just have one question, and I'm I feel like I a 50 split. Oh, go ahead. Kevin. Yeah, no, I just want to say, I'm not going to go on some huge rant here. I promise. Uh, I, I just have, so my, my, my two biggest concerns with Deion Lewis are, are two things. One, this is the almost sort of feels like the typical the guy at the end of the year who really kind of explodes and then we all sort of gravitate to him and then we kind of get uh punched in the face with reality sometimes because yeah. this is kind of what happens you know it happens every year um Deion Lewis you know like you know we've talked about off air like Deion Lewis was an undrafted guy and, and last year nobody even was on anybody's radar through most of the year last year in New England and then really started to come on in the second half of the season um and two is one of my problems is is that I feel like as him being the number two back there because I do feel like that's still what he is we're we're, we're taking him so high that like you're not really getting much of a value for him. And I feel like that there's other backs that are being taken later than him that have a higher ceiling than what he does. Um, it's not that I don't like Deion Lewis, but I just feel like that there's a lot of factors there. And I think Matt uh, alluded to it well, is that when you look at players who leave New England, they don't do as well. They just don't simply produce on the level that they do while they're in New England. For whatever that is, whether it's Tom Brady, and people have to respect that. And now it's going to be interesting because while me included want that Tennessee offense, I was big on them last year to really you know, me kind too. of take it to another level, and they did not. That's certainly still mm-hmm. in the realm of possibility that happens again this year. And if it doesn't, that is really bad news for Deion Lewis. And you're taking him in the fifth round around guys like who Rex Burkhead is still only going in the sixth, Tariq Cohen, um, on Johnson, who really, really is becoming very, very, very intriguing and could end up being the workhorse in that offense. And then even a Tevin Coleman, who just last year we kind of went into it and talked about Tevin Coleman. It's like, well, you're after that monster year that him and Devonta Freeman put up, that, oh, well, you're taking these guys too high and everything else. And I feel like that's kind of where we're getting with Deion Lewis. But I'll shut up. That's all. That's my only concerns with him is if he was going a few rounds later, I would be all aboard all about it. But where he's going right now is a little too risky for me. I can't believe you're now toting carry on Johnson. You guys don't even want to know what Kevin was saying three months ago <laughs> to us in redraft saying you are stupid for talking about carry on. Opportunity Johnson. matters more than anything. In, in fantasy a, football. If it may, I'm still not on carry on really that me much. Either. Honestly, no. What's interesting about Dion too, to Ken, uh, to Kevin's point is he's kind of going at the very top of the not sure backfield guys. So he comes after the Drakes who I actually am a little bit less sure on his backfield, but most people think he's the lead guy, Miller, Freeman, Ronald Jones. And then there's Dion Lewis. And then there's a bunch of guys like Tevin Coleman, Tariq Cohen, like you mentioned, Marlon Mack, carry on Johnson, even who we're a lot less sure on. So I think you're kind of paying the premium on, unsure backfield or split backfield situations to get Lewis. I'm not saying he's not going to return value there, but it's just interesting that that's kind of where he's falling. If, if Kevin's right and they're down and they're not doing well, that'll just involve him more. I'm not worried. You, so you I don't, think so, that yeah. point is kind of moot to me. 
So they're if they're not what we expect and they'll be down more, they'll just. But if the, more. I mean, if the passing offense though isn't as elite as what they were in New England, that he's not going to have the lanes to be able to do what he did in New England, and teams are just going to stack the box. So I mean, I, I don't like I said, like I don't I, number I don't wanna... one running back in yards after contact. But I, I know, but it, that but it was, that's sample size, sample size. Like that's that's small, you know. Like like it's just one year. And so, while so I just, take a rookie with no sample size over him. Again, uh, if he if he's the if he's the lead back in that offense, and he gets to be the bell cow, which he can certainly be at in the almost the end of the sixth round, I'll take that all day. Um, opportunity is king in, in fantasy football, and so if he if he wins that job, which he very well could, and carry on Johnson, that's a steal in the sixth round. Speaking of opportunity. I'm going to transition into my guy. <laughs> oh, nice segue. Very nice. Segue. He's about to get a whole lot more opportunity because Sony Michelle has this fluid in his knee or something terrible. So Rex Burkhead, sexy Rexy, he's my plant your flag candidate. I, I just moved him up today. I, I've been a little bit busy. I decided to update my rankings a little bit before we started the show. I moved him up to running back 19. That was one of the main concerns a lot of people had is whether or not he'd be a consistent fantasy producer in the Patriots backfield. Since we kind of know they run that Swiss army knife style, uh, James White's still always going to be there catching the ball. And they did draft Sony Michelle in the first round. And I was really starting to get behind Sony. Like I wasn't so big on him early in the season. And I, I liked Rex more then. And then I slowly got convinced that Sony was probably going to get some. Listen to me. Now, I think no. Say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you're me. right. You're right. All of you guys, but uh, I, I'm now that this knee injury is going on with Sony. Uh, you know, I've, I'm glad I have already snatched up Rex because I still like Rex and I still think he's going to have you know solid weeks in this backfield. But I got him for cheap considering where his ADP is about to go. So he was going in like the seventh round. That's probably going to end up in like the fifth round when all things are said and done. It, it depends on the preseason. But uh, Sony Michelle. I don't, you know, if I don't think he starts week one, or I don't think he plays week one with with how it's sounding. I, I think he's, he's going to sit out, and they'll just let him rest that knee up and get back to 100 percent before he hits the field because they have talented running backs like Rex. And Rex last year, you know, week seven to 14 was kind of the long stretch where he actually got to play, you know, consistent amount. He was averaging 10.7 touches, 3.3 of those were receptions, and he was averaging over 56 yards. And in that time frame, oh, he also had seven touchdowns. And now this isn't like a Tyree Kill situation. No, he had four out of his five rushing touchdowns were scored inside the three-yard line, and he also had one receiving touchdown that was from one yard out. So he is the red zone running back for this team, and he's shown that he can do it. Bill Belichick is one of the most stubborn, grumpy, fantastic NFL coaches that will ever play the game. And he's seen that Rex can do it. He's not going to all of a sudden change to Sony, especially not now when he's got these knee issues going on. And from my understanding, he fumbled the ball in practice, and that was already a concern of his. And Bill Belichick hates fumbles to the nth degree. So it's... It's time for Rex, and Rex is going to step up, and he can lead this backfield. I think he has the most touches in this backfield uh, all season long. And, uh, you know, taking him as, like, if you get him after the running back two, like after running back 24 range, golden. You have a running back two locked and loaded. And I'm 
I think he can outperform that. I, I have him at 19, so I'm excited about him, and I wa- I have him in a lot of drafts this year. Yeah, I mean, I personally, I love Rex Burkhead, and the reason that I loved him was because of his ADP, because I agree with everything that you're saying. My only concern with, with what's going on now is, like you mentioned, the knee injury with uh, Sonny Michel. So that could definitely be a positive for Rex. Rex Burkhead, obviously, in terms of workload and opportunity, et cetera. But, but ADP is going to But ADP that. for me is a huge concern. Right. Um, so if if this continues for Sony Michelle and Rex t- suddenly comes up into the you know fourth round, are you still going to be equally as high on him, Kat? It's it it gets tougher. I mean, it's so easy to draft him right now. So if he goes up a round, I'm still like fine with it. Um, if he goes up like two rounds, like I was saying, that's a little bit more difficult to swallow, and it really is dependent on what my roster construction is starting to look like. You know, if I go heavy on wide receiver early, he's a great guy to get as your second running back in the fifth round. So if you go like triple wide receiver and then two running backs, I'd be perfectly fine having Rex be my second one. Yeah, and and just to highlight, I think the value that he could bring to your roster if he does get more volume. Last season when Burkhead had at least 10 touches per game, he averaged 17.18 fantasy points per game in half half point PPR leagues. so the ceiling is absolutely there uh, with Rex Burkhead if he does get an increase in his volume this year. Yeah, and I, th- I think it's also important to note with the ADP, I don't think you want to be the guys out there mock drafting or whatever happens to knock ADP up who who take him up into the fourth or anywhere near the third or anything like that um, because Michelle will be back at some point and he won't, Burkhead that is, will not have a, I don't think, a full three down roll for the entire year. Having said that, uh, I broke down the backfield for a number fire piece a little while back and kind of just took the games where Dion Lewis, Rex Burkhead, and James White all played together healthy last year and kind of looked at that. And even if you uh, bring some of the touchdowns that Burkhead uh, was able to accrue and put them onto Michelle or in this case, Lewis, whatever it may be, just to kind of balance things out, he still comes in as an RB2, back-end maybe RB2, especially in PPR leagues. So I don't think it's a big risk to continue taking him maybe in the fifth. I don't know about the fourth, but uh, don't don't expect him to be a three-down back all year, but do expect him to potentially have RB2 value, even if Michelle's back early in the season. Well, no, no one's going to be a three-down back for them. I mean, that's just true. It's just true. not how they operate. So I And I understand that. I know that. Mm-hmm. Don't forget about Jeremy Hill. <laughs> no, 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 the ghost no, of Jeremy Hill is no. on. That is a curse. We should make name. him say that full voice. That is Don't, not okay. <laughs> you are going to gillisly this situation. The ghost right of Jeremy now. Hill past is just coming. I'm like, somebody whispered it. It's behind me. No, it's Kevin. He, he, he's down. Oh, he's he's lost like 15 pounds. He's light as he's been since he was 16 oh, years oh old. God. You're serious, too, are you? Oh no! No, he isn't. I mean, I'm really, I'm, I'm, I'm mainly joking. But, but if he makes the team, uh, I think then, you know, at some point, there's going to be some games where he has a couple touchdowns. I think we, I mean, it's going to happen. Hundred percent. Yeah. They did. They did give Gillisley the first crack last year. So if they cut Gillisley and they have Hill, maybe they give him something. But DFS week one, Jeremy Hill, three touchdowns. Here we go. (laughs) Lock it up. Hey, all in. All (laughs) in. That would cause such a Twitter storm. I I don't even know what to do with that. Oh no! no anyway, no, no. that's we, there's only like 40 million Patriots running backs to talk about. So let's let's throw the 
the uh, tie on that one. And we'll, we'll, we'll kick it over to bets and we'll hear about a guy who you think you're getting, are you getting him everywhere, everywhere you can? Absolutely everywhere. I'm not leaving my draft until I get Mr. Larry Fitzgerald, even if I have to trade him immediately in the draft. I want Larry Fitzgerald on every single one of my rosters. Uh, this guy is currently being drafted as wide receiver 14 in PPR format. So he's not really being quote unquote disrespected, but he's definitely not being drafted at what he is going to be this season. Um, the past three seasons, Larry Fitzgerald, despite his age, is still coming out and proving everyone wrong. Three seasons in receiver four wide receiver 11, and wide receiver 7. Um, and in those three seasons, all of them have been over 100 receptions. So for him, volume is key. And, and in fantasy, volume wins. So I want a guy who has the ability to catch more than 100 footballs, and I think he'll do it again this year. And the reason I say that is because when you look at what the roster is in terms of the receiving core, it's Larry Fitzgerald, and then who else? I mean, David Johnson Price is Pollard. legitimately... Yeah, Maybe. David Johnson is legitimately the number two receiving option on this team. Um, So his volume is extremely safe. And if you're concerned about quarterback play, and rightly so, maybe you are, but Sam Bradford is is Mr. Checkdown himself. So he, this is his game. Um, If for whatever reason, Bradford can't see on the field, which we know has been a concern. When? When, when, when Bradford inevitably goes out week one and Josh Rosen steps in, He's a rookie and he's going to target the guy that has been there for forever and who is is probably taking him under his wing and kind of showing the ropes and and he's just going to be the guy. Uh, and so with this offense, it's very predictable. I like that in in an offense and I like the fact that Larry Fitzgerald, a future Hall of Famer, is only 91 catches behind Tony Gonzalez for second all-time in the NFL and he's only 390 yards uh, away from Terrell Owens for second all-time in receiving yards. So the the offense is going to try to funnel that to him. They're going to try to get him to number two on the list. And I think that's why I came back for one more season because it's obvious this team isn't going to the playoffs. Uh, but but Larry Fitzgerald, for me, he's going to be wide receiver one and he's not being drafted that way. And so for that reason, I love him in the third and fourth round as my wide receiver two. Are you concerned with their O-line after losing AQ Shipley, their, their starting center? And they were already like a bottom 10 for sure offensive line. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a, a concern. But when you look at what happened the last couple of seasons when the team kind of imploded and started to rebuild a little bit after a great run in 2015, uh, the offensive line wasn't great in those seasons either. And so for that reason, I can see that as a concern from other people. But for me, I'm not concerned because I think that that offense, which now has become a quick passing offense to get the ball out of the quarterback's hand, um, is only going to favor Larry Fitzgerald. Yeah, at, at, I'm afraid, you know, there's no way that, Sam Bradford finishes this season. Not a oh, chance. No. Nope. He's going to get smashed. Yeah, unfortunately. Man, what could have been? That guy, he was so talented, but just... Has there ever been a wide injury, receiver, though, got like, that's been more disrespected I mean, through, than Larry Fitzgerald throughout his career? Every year. Right? Every year we, we rank him like a low-end wide receiver, too, and then he just keeps really? doing it every year. Like, oh, this could be the year he falls off. No, nope, not happening. Yeah. I was mm-hmm. that way a few years ago, and I missed out on him in a lot of drafts, so... I'm not making that mistake again. He's going to be on my roster this year. You know, unfortunately, I'm I, I'm kind of the most anti Fitzgerald on this show, and I still like him. I mean, he's Shame. obviously a really good friggin' wide receiver, so there's no issues on that side. Problem is, he's 34, and the fact that he, you know, he's special and that he can play into older age—that's obviously very awesome and good to see. But 
the fact of the matter is the, the older you get, the more likely you are to fall off the cliff at any given second, no matter how special you are. And so as you start to get closer and closer to like Jerry Rice age, like limits, it's, it just doesn't happen like that anymore. And the fact of the matter is, is this offense doesn't have a lot going on for it. And so if he kind of struggles out the gate, it, he could kind of just take it easy and not get injured and then retire after this year. So I, you know, I, I don't know. It just could happen at any second now that he's starting to get old. And he, he keeps getting older every year, if you don't believe it. He just he is still getting old signs. No. Yeah. No, no, that's a fact. I can prove that. So, yeah. His productivity. That's, 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 the only, that's the only component of my concern, really. I'm with you, Kent. I, it's just his productivity. It just doesn't drop off. I. It's just, if anything, with the new offense, new quarterbacks trying to figure it out, I just feel like he's going to be Mr. Reliable. You know, they're going to go to him. They're going to go to David Johnson. But you could very well be right, too. We could be sitting here going, well, we should have seen that one year early coming. Right. It's like Frank Gore for me. Everybody's like, get off the train, Jen. Get off the train. And I'm like, two, two. Don't play until he's 60. Frank, do it. <laughs> you know, I'm not saying this. I mean, I've just been on that train and people have been like, get off. But Fitz, I'm on. I'm on. I hope that he follows through. So we'll see. I think I do think that Rosen and Fitz would be a good match. So honestly, I do hope to see that. Mm-hmm. Oh, you will at some point. Oh, You're going to you see will. it. Uh, yeah, you know, that's You'll that's, see that's it. accurate. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to see it. All right, let's uh, let's go ahead and move on to our last guy who uh, we've already had a couple of you know comments about earlier in the show, and for good reason. He's a very divisive player. But Okada, who are you uh, planting your flag on this season? Yeah, so I was a little scared that Kevin was going to run away with every argument I had, but he left me some stuff to talk about when it comes to Josh Gordon. And here's kind of the reason that Josh Gordon is my plant, my flag guy. He's His ADP is not too low. He's going in the back end of the third round. I think people are, are looking at him for really for his talent. And if they really were baking in a lot more of the question marks that surround Gordon and uh, the situation, they, he might be a little bit lower. But here's here's the way that I look at it. Every question mark that people throw towards me and Josh Gordon, I answer with not concerned, not concerned, not concerned. Give me more, give me more. And for me, that ends up getting Gordon up to about my wide receiver 12. So I have him as a back-end wide receiver one right now. You listen, he's an absolute freak. Physically, as a receiver, he is a monster. 6'3", 225. He ran a 4-5 at the Combine. He's been clocked running faster elsewhere. I think his game speed is faster than that. And for his size, that's an adjusted speed score. If you look at player profiler of 85th percentile. So this guy is just impossible to cover, like uh, Kevin mentioned. Um, And by the way, Casey Hayward, when Kevin mentioned that, he's not just elite. He is the best corner in the league, at least according to last year's uh, pro football focus breakdown. So when he says something about Josh Gordon, like he said, you want to pay attention. And this is what it comes down to. First of all, the off-the-field issues, everything that's been going on in the past couple of weeks with him taking himself out of camp uh, and, and setting himself away from the pressures, the hard knocks, whatever it may be, all of that, while other people rise in their concern, it makes me feel better about it. I am 100%, okay, I won't say 100%, I'm 95% sure that he has got his life on track He's doing the right things to keep himself in the game, healthy, clean, everything. So I am not at all concerned about that. 
And then when it comes to his on the field play, everybody is concerned that there's not going to be enough balls to go around. Tyrod Taylor's coming in. He has low pass attempts. They have Jarvis Landry. They used to have Corey Coleman. Now that's gone, which is a boost. They still have David Njoku. They have uh, Duke Johnson out of the backfield. Here's the thing. Josh Gordon averages over his career 17.3 yards per reception. That's super elite. And if you take out the really messy 2014 season where he was suspension-ridden, played a few games, probably was a little bit drug-impaired, if we're being honest, and averaged 12.6 yards per reception, which is not even close to every other year, that number bumps up to 18.0 as far as a full career yards per reception. Again, super elite in above the realm of guys like Calvin Johnson, Brandy Moss, Julio Jones. It's in the realm of guys like Deshaun Jackson. And what that means is he doesn't need a lot of receptions to get a lot of fantasy value. To hit 1,000 yards at that 17.3 yards per reception mark, he only needs 58 catches. Josh Gordon is going to get 58 catches in this offense. And to the Tyrod Taylor point, I'm not concerned about the quarterback dictating the pass attempts. What I, what I look at when it comes to pass attempts is the, the team, the offense, and the defense, and how that goes, and the offensive coordinator. And both of those things tell me high 500s in pass attempts. The Browns have averaged 583 over the past three years. Todd Haley in Pittsburgh, new awesome co- offensive coordinator, has averaged 593 pass attempts as Pittsburgh's OC with, by the way, an elite running back in the backfield. Tyrod Taylor is not going to come in and massively reduce that number to the 350 range that he was throwing in Buffalo. And we've, we've talked about Buffalo before and why that offense was just horrible uh, overall for fantasy production. And then also, as Kent will tell you, we think Baker Mayfield will take over at some point. Tyrod. Yeah, at Tyrod. some point. We, we don't know where. Baker is the future, okay? But at some point, he's going to take over. And they drafted him first overall to be a passing uh, dominant quarterback, and it may not be, uh, we may not see Pro Bowl level uh, caliber production from him year one, but I think he can certainly match Tyrod as far as producing passing uh, and hitting Josh Gordon, which is very easy to do because the guy is massive. And by the way, if you just look at last year and you think, oh, overall he was kind of underwhelming, listen, with Deshaun Kaiser at quarterback, Gordon had 41 targets, he had 19 catchable passes according to Pro Football Focus's breakdown of what a catchable pass is, that's a 46% rate of catchable balls, which was the worst in the league. Cooper Cup, for reference, was 20th. He had a 77% catchable ball rate. So you cannot look at the targets and then project those numbers forward for Josh Gordon and expect to see that this year. Whoever's throwing in the ball, it's going to be better. He's going to top 58 receptions. I'd put him more in the 65-70 range easily, which means well over 1,000 yards, and I think that he's going to be a beast. Uh, when it comes to touchdowns as well, he's never quite hit. Uh, he's never hit double digits, um, even in his big breakout year. But again, I think that's a, um, a product of a really bad team that could not move the ball. And this Browns team, we've all we've all agreed, we're the Browns shirts when we're not the red shirts, is going to have a better <laughs> offense. Nope. But I think they're going to move the ball. I think he's going to be in touchdown range much more often. Going to score. Give me all the Josh Gordon <laughs> and don't give me any of the fear. Matt, if he plays Matt, just keep... 16 games, it's 1,000 yards. No problem. Oh, yeah. Just, Matt, just keep talking dirty ahead, to me. Yeah. I, I'm really enjoying <laughs> this. Just keep talking dirty. This, this well, is. Just... <laughs> My concern. Okay. Can we play a game a little bit, Ben? Can we play a little sure, bit? Sure, but I'm probably going to tell because you not my concerned, issue. Ben. Okay. Well, it's not a question. It's a game. So Ooh. I'm just going to name the guys going around him because my issue with Josh Gordon is ADP. 
So that's my biggest concern. So if you're drafting Josh Gordon here, let's do a popular one. Would you take Tyreek Hill? I know what you're going to say, but would you take Tyreek Hill or Josh Gordon? Josh, Josh Gordon, Gordon by a mile. Stefan Diggs. I'm sorry, are we doing Josh everyone Gordon? or just him? Everyone. Everyone, sure. Stefan Diggs or Josh Gordon? Okay. Josh Gordon. Diggs for me. Here, here's the thing. Diggs with for that, me. Here's the thing quickly with that and a couple other guys you're going to mention. I like all those guys. They may have a higher floor, but I don't think any of them can be the number one. And I agree with Kevin in saying that Josh Gordon can easily be the number one. You really, you really pulled at Okada's heartstrings there because he loves Diggs this year. And you knew it was going to be tough uh, yes, to answer that. <laughs> He's going right around him. That's a, that, See, those are the questions that, that our drafters are, are looking at. That's what I'm saying. It's I don't doubt Gordon's talent, but he's not at training camp, and we have two years of five games each. Like, And I know it's poor quarterback play, and we know all these factors, but they're also unknowns. And so you guys are planting your flag on a guy with more unknowns than most people around that range. And so so you have to realize, yeah, you can go for upside, but people usually swing that hard for upside in best ball or that hard for upside in another kind of league redraft, they swing and he just flops or Tyrod doesn't work out or they all flop and Baker comes in, you know, it it just isn't what redrafters at that ADP like Fitz is going after him. You have to realize the floor that you're looking at when when redrafters are looking at him. Where where are you getting this from? I'm I'm wondering, I'm curious. Fantasy football calculators. Well, are, are you everything? are you looking at PPR or full? Because I mean, on, on full PPR, Josh Gordon half going... PPR, which is what we use. Oh, okay, because I'm looking at full PPR, which is this usually the standard. It can't be that different. It is. Josh, Josh Gordon's different. Josh Gordon's going at 408, and Stefan Diggs and going 306. Well over a round different. Fair, and that's something that should be mentioned. If you play in a standard league versus a PPR league, Josh Gordon's value is higher. He's because he's not going to be an 80 90 reception guy. So that. I'm, that is fair to look at, but just from a half kind of split perspective where he's going around 311, and I mentioned that, Jen, at the beginning, I don't think that's necessarily too far off. All I'm saying is I'm 100% drafting him there and a little bit higher, and I don't want people to be afraid of all the question marks that are brought up around Gordon, and I do want them to recognize his number one overall value. Because, I mean, if you look at PPR, I mean, he's going around Juju Smith. Tate. Demarius Juju, Thomas, Alan Robbins, Tate, Brandon Ronson. Cooks, yeah. Jarvis Landry, Alshon Jeffrey, Chris Hogan. Oh, that's that very clear. All of those, those are so all easy. All yeah, it, it's definitely Josh Gordon. Uh, I mean, I want nothing to do with Brandon Cooks this year. Nothing. But, um, and I think you're even getting them at a, maybe you know a little bit better than what you would have. But I, I don't like Brandon Cooks at all this year. But that's a, we're not having that conversation. But I mean, the guys he's going around. I mean, there's certainly question marks around every one of them, and not a single one of them have his ceiling. Not a single one uh, about the guys that are going right around him. Maybe Allen Robinson you can make some sort of case with, but he's who's coming off the injury. Maybe Amari Cooper who's going at three twelve you can make that case with. But other than that, I don't think you know in the fourth round and beyond, there's nobody that has his ceiling. So short end is if you're going to draw, if you're going to draft Josh Gordon, make sure with your other picks, you get some other high floor picks because you're going for ceiling. Clearly that's what everybody's saying. Isn't, well, know? I mean, isn't that kind of what right? you do with your first two or three picks anyway? I mean, that's really kind of what you're shooting for with those picks. It's kind of your, is your, you know, have a high floor. I mean, that's kind of what you're, you're shooting for. I mean, I, at least I feel <laughs> more often than right. that's what you're trying to He's do. He's fourth round. It's not not high picks. 
He's fourth round, wide receiver two. So, yeah, with your wide receiver one or wide receiver three, yeah, you should have a higher floor when you're drafting if you're going to swing for Josh Gordon. That's true. He is kind of a big swing. That's my so point. I, I think, I think uh, we know Okada and uh, Kevin are both going to be out there swinging on Gordon this year. So uh, take them right in front of them if you're drafting against them. No, I'm just kidding. But that is the end of our plant your flag section. So thank you for all those awesome names and you're going to see us out there trying to get those in every league we can but before we go today we have the thing we teased earlier we have to do the drawing for the listener league and i have the list pulled up in front of me i'm going to run it through a list randomizer right now i am going to be picking 12 names and we're going to be doing a 16 team league with four divisions and you will face off against one of the red shirts so it's going to be fun, and we're looking forward to it. And I'm going to randomize that list now, and hopefully I can read off these Twitter names. No problem. Okay, here we go. So, drum 12 roll. people. Uh, I did not get a drum roll clip ready. That that was a mistake <laughs> on my part. Uh, but let's, let's roll through these names real quick. We got at Jordan Noobs. We have at Neil P. Fairley. We have at ABC of Fantasy. We have Bear and Gur, I believe it was. We have at Envision FF. We have Tyler Belosky, friend of the show. We have David Ticknor. I believe I'm saying that right. We have Chestnuts17, Will Jenks90, <laughs> F. Von H., M. Stutz Mitchell. I think that's right. And then they, call, that they call me Dad8. Yeah. They so call they me call me Dad8. Dad was, yeah, was the last guy. So those are the 12 winners. We'll be reaching out to you shortly. Uh, getting you set up with that information. So congratulations to all the winners. Thank you, everyone, for leaving reviews. Let us know how we've been doing. Um, real quick, before we end this show, Kevin, just go ahead and let everyone know where they can find you this year and what, what stuff you're contributing to. I mean, of course. I mean, I think I'm already knows, right? Fancy at 13th. I mean, it's kind of, kind of a big deal. but uh... <laughs> <laughs> And he's so humble. Yep. So uh but yeah, uh, you know, just uh, trying to build a website, right? And uh, we're crushing it with all these new writers we have. And I'm really excited for everything. We are building up the DFS brand. I will be overseeing that. And we have a ton of uh, new stuff coming out for that that we'll get into at another time. We haven't really just, uh, announced everything with that yet, but there's some really exciting stuff coming down the line. And uh, be sure to you know follow all of our new writers and uh, check them out because they are putting out some fantastic work early on. And you know, shout out to Jen for uh, getting those people in line because uh, she's running that stuff. So yeah, I understand we had a few redshirt listeners come up to you and try and ask to write for the. the they site. did, yeah. Exciting. We had some redshirters come up and uh, tell me how much you guys were killing the show and. And, uh, and I was like, well, you know, I picked these guys, so, you know, they should be. But, you know. <laughs> no, it's all right. I love it, Godfather. It's, it's the truth, though, right? Yeah, exactly. Oh, we need no, to give you, like... Keep doing what you guys are doing. You guys are crushing it. Your guys' chemistry is strong. And uh, don't change. Just keep uh, just Thanks, keep going Kevin. on. Except Thanks, on our Tyreek Kill takes. Are we supposed to change yeah, that? Yeah. That's them fighting words right there. That's the best though, because if, if 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 I listen to a podcast and I don't disagree with anything, you probably don't have a good podcast. So there you go. Yep. Amen. That's right. Kev, can you give right, us well, an idea? Sorry, Kent. Can you guys no, give us an okay, idea Kev. of when the the DFS DGENs start back? Like when they can oh, start yeah. looking for the oh, daily? Back, right, I mean the weekly. Uh well, Are you I mean guys we're already weekly. 
we well we already putting out uh we actually the dfs dj nation pod already put out a a show actually came out monday uh we did one for best ball and uh apparently you guys aren't paying attention so busted there but uh i knew it i knew (laughs) But, uh, no offense, but I'm never gonna do preseason. I just can't. I, I hear myself. you. You have to be a true degenerate to uh, to play the preseason and really follow all that I'm, news. But I we will be starting preseason. the last week of preseason uh, every week. Uh, we will we will do a more of a kind of strategy based um, lineup construction show, and then the next week is uh, full on. Let's go. Uh, it's week one, so. Um, and then, like I said, we have a ton of new content coming out through the site as well. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Love it. Awesome. Love to hear that. We're looking forward to getting the DFS session started and we'll have the redraft stuff covered over here. So thank you once again, Kevin, for joining us on the show. Really awesome stuff as always. So I knew there was going to be some fire and we, we got it full, full hearted. So really good to, to hear from you. Glad to get you on. And, uh, Thank you to all the listeners once again for the reviews and getting in that listener contest. And we look forward to taking you on. So for this time, once again, we are the Red Shirts. Here comes the, here comes the,